0: there can also be a part. Romans chapter 6. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 6 and uh, we're going to have a short message today and then um, we are going to complete by going outside um, to the tent. Rain or shine. I thought if we if we believed in sprinkling we wouldn't have to set up a pool and just go outside and get sprinkled. Uh, But the Greek word baptizo actually means immersion, fully immersed, and there's a good reason for that. And um, so uh, your whole life needs to be touched by the Lord, and so uh, when you're water baptized, it's an outward sign of a a whole life changed by God. I'm going to read, I don't know if you guys have the Passion Translation or not. Uh, at the graphics over there. Maybe put a thumbs up if you have passion. If you don't, okay, awesome. So I'm going to read Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1 in the Passion Translation. And there's a couple words that I translated. I would do it a little different, but other than that, it's pretty good. And um, Romans chapter 6, we're going to begin reading with verse 1. So what do we do then? We persist in sin. Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? What a terrible thought. You know what? I want to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive. Your word's powerful. Your word's anointed. Thank you for uh, bringing your word from generation to generation down to us here today in 2023. Thank you that your word has never lost and will never lose any power, that your word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing into our soul and spirit, uh, the joints and marrows, a discerner of our thoughts and intents of our heart. And Father, I thank you that you minister to us by your word, that you speak to us by your word, that your spirit takes everything that you have said, that Christ has said and does say to us and makes it real to us, quickens it to us and reminds us of those things. Father, we thank you for the working of your own spirit within us and among us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So verse 2, what a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all. As a dead man passes away from his life, in other words, a dead man passes away, he's not like going to live that life again. He has passed away. So how could we live under sin's rule one moment longer? Or have you forgotten that all of us were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one? We were immersed into union with his death. Did you get what he's saying? So have you forgotten that those who of us who were immersed into our union with Jesus Christ were also immersed into the union of his death. In other words, in that he died, we died. And that he took sin, he took on our sin. And that he conquered sin, he conquered our sin. And that he rose again, if you died with him, you will also raise with him. If we raise with him, that means we also died with him. There's the old hymn that says, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And somebody said, well, no, that was like over, Joel was talking about this yesterday. It was over 2,000 years ago. I just say over 2,000 years. That's how. He was talking to me. And he's like, uh, yesterday we were driving or something. He's like, I'm so thankful for however long it was. I, I don't know all the particulars or something like that. He said exactly how long ago it was, but however long ago it was. So it was a little over 2,000 years ago. Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him. So that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of the new life. For since we are permanently grafted into Him, that means our life source is now tapped into His life root. I am the vine, you are the branches. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it is connected in union with the vine, right? It has to live in the vine. He finds life in the vine. It finds freedom in the vine. It finds expression in the vine. It finds fruit in the vine, right? And so that's us. We are branches connected to the vine, which is Jesus Christ with the life of God and the nature of God flowing from the um, vine into the branches. Uh, Verse five, for since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? Well, what we're talking about this morning is is one of the ultimate acts of faith in following Jesus Christ. That he said, um, he that believes and is baptized, will be saved. Hallelujah. Well, you don't have to be baptized in order to be saved because if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. But if you're saved for very long and you have opportunity and you read the word, you will be baptized because it is an, I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to finish reading this. But it's an outward expression of an inward disposition and an inward decision and an inward act of your will that you have done that you're like i am all in i want everything god has for me i give him everything i am i want everything he is right i mean imagine that you're going to hold back on god that's a pretty sobering thing you know you have the power to do that you don't have to give god everything but if he's your lord you will give him everything And the good thing about his lordship, I don't know if we'll have time to get there, but if you go down, I think, reading in verse uh, 15 of chapter 6 here that we're reading of Romans, you find out, like, we are actually, we become slaves. I mean, if, if you're a Christian, a Bible Christian, you become a slave. Not to sin any longer, but a slave to righteousness. A slave to everything that's right. Well, you, you know, the, the, the American mind thinks of slave, like, well, this is a horrible situation. Oh, no, look, trust me, you are serving somebody all the time, whether you know it or not. You're always serving somebody. You might be just serving your own flesh. Oh, I like this. I don't like this. I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that? I just want what I want. You're not even in charge. You are not your flesh. You're in your flesh, but you are not your flesh. And if you serve your flesh for very long, you'll find out your flesh is fickle. And your flesh is unreliable. And your flesh is nasty. And that is, a, that is a horrible life. You may enjoy the pleasures, like the Bible says, of sin for a season. But let me tell you, that's a, that's a pretty short season. And the whole time you're doing that, the whole time you're living after, just to fulfill your, your flesh there is something on the inside of you which happens to be the real you which will never be satisfied with that kind of life. You'll try and try, spend a lot of money, spend a lot of time to get some kind of satisfaction through the things of the flesh, through uh, the position that you hold, the position of power, through the money that you make, through the relationships that you have, through the men or the women that you sleep with, through the alcohol that you drink, through the drugs that you take. I don't know. Just think of any fleshly thing. Through the, oh, oh, let me do a great one. You're probably not thinking of. Through (laughs) self-righteousness. That you're like, look at how spiritual I am. Look at how close to God I am. You are on the devil's territory, let me tell you. You are on the flesh territory. Because... If you're walking with God, the real spiritual people are the ones that live in a constant state of awe of the mercy of God towards me and towards you, of the goodness of God towards me and towards you, of the ability of God towards me and towards you. In other words, that is the life of faith that you're like amazed at God, amazed at his goodness because you're so familiar with your inability, Either, either you're on the poor me side or you're on the I'm better than everybody else kind of side. But just get on the Jesus is Lord side, that Jesus is awesome side, that Jesus, I can do all things through the anointed one, Jesus Christ, and his anointing, I can do all things through him. He's the one that gives me strength. He's the one that gives me vision. He's the one that gives me ability. He's the one that gives me direction. He's the one that gives me knowledge. He's the reason I wake up. He's the reason I smile before I go to bed. He's the reason I treat my wife right. Hallelujah. doing this for Jesus if it weren't for Jesus trust me I would give you the cold shoulder but you should be thankful for Jesus because it's because of him I can love you Jesus is awesome he is awesome he can take the hardest heart and he can melt that heart of stone he can come in, but he'll he'll never force you. But if you look to him from the inside, and he knows when you're doing that, you call out to God. God will hear you. The spirit of God will come upon you, will come in you, and you will be changed, and you will never be the same. You will be touched by God himself. And he will come into your heart, and he will come into your life, and you will become a different man, a different woman, a different boy, a different girl. You'll show up, maybe at the same job, at the same time, but let me tell you, that's a different person. The old you is dead and buried with Christ. The selfish you, the sinning you, the failing you, the defeated you, the one that's bound up, died with Christ. And a brand new you, when Christ came, the firstborn from among the dead, when he rose from the dead, every believer was there with him. And every sinner, someone who's not received Jesus as Lord, the second they believe, they were there. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when he rose from the dead? Could it be any clearer, verse 6, that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power. For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person's incapable of sinning, and if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. We know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death from its power over him, and it's finished. For by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power one time for all people. But he now lives continuously from the, for the Father's pleasure. That's us as well. So let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal. <laughs> you must continually view yourself. Say, I, I say, that's me. I view myself as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Sin is a dethroned monarch, so you must no longer give it any opportunity to rule in your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings, so then refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool of wickedness. Instead, passionately, of course it says passionately, passionately, it's a passion translation, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to Him. Right? Instead of giving your body to wickedness, give your body to righteousness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to Him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purpose. Remember this, sin will not conquer you. God already has. Hallelujah, he has already conquered sin. Hallelujah, and you gave your life to him. You are not governed by law, but you're governed by the reign of the grace of God in your life. All right, let's finish with this. Baptism is... Uh, a few things. Baptism is a picture. Baptism is a drawing. It's a sketch. It's a picture. It's an illustration of what has already happened to anyone who has received Jesus Christ as Lord. Baptism is a declaration, and it is a confession. You're confessing what? I believe that Jesus is Lord I believe I died with him. I believe I was buried with him. I believe I've been raised with him. It it is a declaration and a confession of your belief. And there is power in believing. When you believe, you access God's power. In fact, what is so awesome is over 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross because he saw you here today. He saw your life. And he saw you and he said, I love that man, I love that woman, I love that boy, I love that girl. I want them, I don't want them living full of guilt. I don't want them living full of fear. I don't want them so bound and chained that they can't function in life. I want them to be everything that I designed for them to be. Everything that was in my heart when they came out of my heart into their mother's womb. I want them to be everything that I anointed and prepared and provided for them to be. So it's a confession, and there's power in that confession, and it's the power of the resurrection. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that, that took the chains, figuratively, that bound Christ to sin, your sin, my sin. He never sinned. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, He became, him who knew no sin was made to be sin. That boggles my natural mind. Because it does not say that he just took your sins. He took them so much that he became sin itself. Do you ever just think about the power of God and the ability of God, and you just kind of wonder, and you're like, wow, he has all power, all ability." He's everywhere all the time, all present. You think, if God himself is going to take away the sin of every human, how completely would God be able to do that? To what extent would he be able to go? Well, apparently, God himself in, in the man Jesus Christ became sin, him that knew no sin, was made to be sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We might be made. Who made us? He made us. We don't make ourselves. It's not our works. Uh, Paul said that lest any of us should try to say, hey, look at me, I did this, right? Self-righteousness. No, it's Jesus' righteousness, not self-righteousness. It's Jesus' mercy, not our mercy. It's Jesus' love, not our love. So it is a declaration, and it is a confession. It is a great act of faith. It opens the work of the Holy Spirit in your life when you are water baptized. Jesus Christ himself did not sin, but when he was baptized in the river Jordan, after he was baptized, it said, the heavens actually opened up. What if the heavens open up today? The heavens opened up, and the Holy Spirit came down, in a form like a dove and came upon him. The Holy Spirit, when you're water baptized, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. In fact, it's a great time to be filled with the Holy Spirit if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. But if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, that's awesome. But the Holy Spirit will come on you. There is power in baptism. That water is not holy water. But you When you get in that water and you've confessed Jesus as Lord, you make that water holy water because you're holy as he is holy because he made you holy. That's hard. Everybody got real quiet. That's the Bible. I'm not saying it's holy water, then just dip it on it, you know. That's some nasty water. Why is it nasty water? Well, because what we just read in Romans, the body of sin will be done away with. So what does that mean? Well, in that water, there's a lot of sin in that water, that holy water. I'm really mess with your mind this morning. <laughs> what do you leave there? Your past, your sins, your inabilities. You're doing this from your heart. You're doing this as an act of faith. But this is actually what happens. So baptism is a declaration and a confession that I believe and I am following the Lord. Uh, It's a declaration and a confession that I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that live. That the old me is going down in that water and there's a new me coming up. I'm showing you what I've already done in my heart. Uh, And I'm making this declaration. There's power in this declaration. So this is actually a turning point in my life. This is a spiritual turning point in my life. Uh, I'm confessing that I am separating myself from sin and the power of sin. I'm, I'm separating myself from the old life. The old life stays in the water. The old sins stay in the water. The old nature stays in the water. I'm confessing that I have been buried with Christ. My old man is dead and buried with him. I am confessing that I am washed. That I am cleansed. That I am recreated, brand new. That I am resurrected. That I am a new creature. That every part of me has been touched by God himself. That's why you're immersed in the water and every part of you is touched. (laughs) Pastor, I... Uh, served under in Michigan, he would always say, uh, some people, I think we should baptize them with their wallets (laughs) so that their wallets are also (laughs) confessing the lordship of Jesus. I changed his words a little bit there, but praise the Lord. (laughs) You're confessing that Jesus rose again and that you rose again with him. You're confessing Uh, that as an act of your will, you have decided to follow Jesus, and you're demonstrating with your body that Jesus is Lord over every part of who you are and over your body. I mean, you meditate in Romans chapter 6. If you've got any addictions, you've got any challenges with the flesh, let me tell you, this is a point where you release your believer and say, I believe that the body of sin might be destroyed. It's staying in the water. I'm coming out clean. I'm coming out new. It's a fresh start. It's a fresh life. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.